Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, welcome to the Cult of the Collective Commentary. Featuring Dave A.C. The Sixth Doctor and Al Four. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Gotham Collective Commentaries. Yes, we're back, and it's more Doctor Who. Um, Dave, would you mind not playing with your balls while I'm talking? <laughs> you frighten me with that remark. I think a little wine seeped out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I see you're over there brushing up on your archaeology, Mike. Yes, I am. Looking back at 1334 BC, yes. And that's a big weapon you've got there as well. Oh, my. Uh, just cover your ears when we get to the ball gag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough innuendo for the beginning of this commentary. Enough laughter, I'm sure. We're about to get started on Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, the second episode of Series 7 of Doctor Who. Gentlemen, are you ready? Indeed. Ready over here. And if everybody at home is ready... With your official BBC copies of Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, we'll begin in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, play. 1334 BC. There's Mike hiding in the corner. Oh, what? You know, I mean, I guess I'm still just an old fan. It's odd seeing the Doctor in positions like this. (laughs) Although Matt does a really good job, and it's been a kind of consistent thing for him being really, really awkward with this kind of stuff. Whereas David Tennant was a little more sexy, a little more kind of, you know. That was a strange transition. I mean, they're outside. Yeah. 13, oh, 67. I thought it was 57. Who's responsible for the direction and on this one, uh, Mike? Saul Metstein is the is in charge of this. I will. Uh, I don't think he's done it much with the show before. I will bring that up. No, before this, he's no. This is the first episode. This, yeah, this is his first, Saul Metstein, his first episode oh. for Doctor Who. Before this, he's done uh, a, a movie called Dread, another movie called Microman, and Guy X and Late Night Shopping. That's what he's done before this. Very, very short list. He's a Scottish film director, in case you're wondering. Well, cause when and we're dealing with a... Here we are, dealing with a ship the size of Canada. <laughs> I, I was just thinking that it looks like Microsoft have finally got their Surface software working uh, 300 years in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes. Although I, was... I do like how they superimpose the dates, especially in the sky there, as they transition to Riddell. Right. Um, it, it was interesting. I thought it might have been the cinematographer who was responsible for some of the the, the shots that we we're getting, but uh, uh, but no, he's worked on uh, on Doctor Who before, and you know, so it's not like we're getting. So I wonder if it was a d- directorial thing, because there is quite an interesting amount of visual um, things going on in this episode. I mean, one coming up next, you know, this one. Ooh, what's that noise? I left the back door open, sorry. <laughs> oh, and how wonderful. Mark Williams. Playing. Uh, Rory Williams. Very well done, that effect. Mm. Oh, and I notice he has an incandescent light bulb. <laughs> In today's day of, uh, you know. Well, he does at the beginning. You have to watch closely later. Yeah. Mainly for the effect coming here of him dropping it on the floor right. and having it break. 
Yeah, it would be a bit in, with the, yeah. well, a new in, in, in Europe, they've just changed now. They, they've even outlawed the 40-watt bulb. Mm. Although a, a lot of people in America think it's a big uh, conspiracy theory that mm. they're worse for the environment and everything and don't actually last that long. Uh, I don't know. Mm. But anyway, yes. It's me, Dad. My dad. I like this speech. <laughs> taxi service. Now, that's been used in, in, in previous episodes, isn't it? The taxi service reference. Yeah, the, most recently the Weeping Angel two-parter. Ah. Then, of course, other people remember, remember back to late in Tom Baker's era, the early Peter Davison years with Adric. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> the taxi service in and out of eSpace. Now, this is uh, a problem that we had on the uh, Clopton Collective earlier today, was the, the fact that the, do- the Doctor and um, Rory's dad don't seem to recognize one another. Yet there was a wedding, and the Doctor did dance with everyone, because he did comment that the men were a bit rubbish. Um, <laughs> and who who misses the TARDIS appearing in the middle of the reception? But, oh well. Especially after Amy made such a big scene over. Oh yeah, <laughs> someone's missing. Oh, they the new was. I like that line. They the new was. But of course, um, Rory's dad was at the wedding because uh, it was actually a different actor, and uh, and it's actually uh, I guess, although I haven't looked, but uh, Jeff the Seventh Doctor said he was in the. Uh, there was a listing in the credits for Rory's dad at the wedding. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's a wonderful introduction to the to, to the cast. I, I mean, I wish he'd become like Wolf, you know, showing up every now and then. But okay, you were mentioning the the cinematographer for this episode is someone named uh, Stefan Person. Stefan Person. He's worked on on the show before. He's sort of someone that Stephen Moffat's brought in because his first episode was the Pandora opens. Right. So besides and that, another five was... minutes to the titles. Yeah. Other shows that he's worked on rather quickly, Five Days, Silent Witnesses, Hustle, Holby Blue, and M.I. High. Now, do you agree with Logan that those uh, lights are wrong? The the yellow colour on the TARDIS lights seem Uh, definitely... Maybe. But we still have the whole Instagram filter thing going on. Yeah, and different graphics there again, of course. Each episode of this series will have different texture on the the title. I think it's bad. And my wife thinks it's big pants. <laughs> you check out that it, Facebook it, it, it is a neat thing that, that that it ties in with the theme of that episode. Right. Yeah, just a neat little, little gimmick they have. The place they've chosen for this is is really fascinates me. It looks like one of these underwater, you know, underground water reservoir type places. But obviously in Wales they don't have those. So. Right. Apparently, from what I read, this is the biggest set they have actually built for Doctor Who. Wow. So I'm, I believe this whole thing is a set. Yeah, a lot of it is. And something else that I was wanting to comment on as they were running around, running around is something that's mostly disappeared from Doctor Who in the Matt Smith, Stephen Moffat era. We're so used to you know David Tennant and companions running everywhere. Matt right. Smith doesn't do a lot of running. Now apparently somewhere in here the the, the um, one of the dinosaurs breaks the the camera. I might have missed it already. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah someone mentioned that. that at some point on Coldum. I think it was I Darth sure because he was talking where... about them breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to get a bit into Mark Williams here because I love Mark Williams, and uh, most of you will know him from and and. Um, Mike will talk a bit on this, I'm sure. Um, well, no, of course, my Harry Potter movies. But I first came across him in uh, Red Dwarf as uh, as Dave Lister, one of Dave Lister's best mates, uh, Peterson, who was the um, one of the ship's cooks, I think. Uh, so yeah, if you look at uh, the first, I think it's like first or first and second season, you'll see uh, him showing up in there, and he's quite good considering. And his arm actually makes an appearance in in, in an episode as well. It was also, before we go to Mike, it was also in Being Human. He played Regus, the one that was trying to read that skin that they had, predicting mm. um, you know, some future events. Right. But Mike, you tell us a little bit more about him. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. If you are a fan of the Harry Potter books, or more on the point, the movies, you've seen Mark Williams. He played Arthur Weasley in the Harry Potter movies. Yep. Uh, Ron Weasley's the, the, the dad of the family he played throughout the entire franchise. Great, great character, great actor, and uh, he, he, did, he pulled the role off very well. I'm just reading here, sorry. Um, he played the voice... Do you remember that Merlin episode with the goblin in, Ian? He played the oh, voice of the goblin. Really? Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, he's been in basically a ton of stuff back... I mean, I remember Alexi Sale stuff, uh, uh, Harry Enfield's uh, television program, uh, 101 Dalmatians. Very, very busy man. The Strangers... Oh, I'm, I'm scrolling through tons and tons of stuff here. Agent Cody Banks, too. Destination London, sorry. <laughs> um, and he's also been in Casualty. Casualty! Yeah. I mean, Everyone why not? He's been in everything else. I mean, <laughs> seriously, he's done a ton of stuff. Uh, again, uh, you know, he's one of the good character actors, I think. You know, And he's brilliant in this, to be honest. I think oh, I've seen this set before. I do! <laughs> so <laughs> so two, two things to mention here. First, at some point, there are... Uh, Brian refers to the Doctor as Arthur C. Clarke, which is interesting because of another little reference we get at we get towards the end of the episode. Uh, we get a I'll mention that when we get to it. But what I also wanted to mention a mention of Christmas at the start of Asylum of the Daleks. The Doctor was talking to the Daleks in the Parliament and told them, "Is this is Christmas? You've yeah. got me." So it's interesting that Christmas is mentioned in that episode and this episode and what we've seen on if you've been watching trailers. Yeah. You'll know that there's a mention of Christmas next episode, which is interesting Ooh. because of when we're m- meeting the new companion, when the Doctor's gaining the new companion. Hmm. Is Moffat just po- is this just coincidental? I think not. Yeah. You think we wouldn't Christmas... have things like that that would be just coincident, knowing Stephen Moffat. Right. Yeah, you think these Christmases are Easter eggs then? Could be. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> and of course, uh, just a little bit before, I'll get to Nefertiti in a minute, but uh, of course we saw our second star from uh, Harry Potter, David Bradley, um, who, and I had not realized this, this isn't his first tie-in with Doctor Who. Uh-huh. No, uh, and uh, he appeared in uh, Death, uh, Death of the Doctor, part one and part two, as... Uh, Shen, uh, Shen Seath Blue, the voice of Shen Seath Blue. I had no idea. I had no idea. So, yeah, before Doctor Who, he was in Sarah Jane Adventures. Now, I think this is really good because one of the things I've always been disappointed sometimes with dinosaurs is they don't, with the CGI, they don't get the mass of the creature. You don't you get the feeling of weight and, and, and sheer bulk. That absolutely was convincing. Well, actually, I don't think it's actually CG. That front bit. That front right. bit. Um, I'll have to look at the information, but I believe it was uh, something that they already had. Um, but, yes, talk on and I'll get that info. Well, I, I know when we see another dinosaur later that, that they actually built the front half of it, so may well have done it with that one. Right. Oh. She's looking different. Time, huh? Since the BBC cancelled BBC uh, the Doctor Confidential, we're down to just the little bits that the BBC posts on the Doctor Who website. And if you go there now, you'll find a three to four minute behind the scenes clip. It's not quite Doctor Who confidential, but it gives us a good bit on what Dave is referencing and on the robots. Uh, one thing I want to direct here is, um, it was mentioned that uh, later on, Karen, uh, sorry, Amy tells the Doctor that it's a Silurian ship. You would have thought he would have recognized the graphics of the Silurian race right. on the on the monitor. Yeah, I think that was something I brought up in the in the show today. That it's like, you know, normally the doctor sees that kind of stuff and goes, "Hey, that's Silurian." Well, I'm not sure whether he does or not because I, I know that Amy tells Rory that it's Silurian. I don't know whether she tells the doctor how he makes that thing himself. Uh, no, because Rory brings the phone to uh, to the doctor when he's in there with uh, Solomon. But here's the information I was looking for. Right. Uh, the same uh, the scene where Amy Riddell and Nefertiti stumble upon a sleeping Tyrannosaurus Rex was almost cut as it was originally intended to feature computer-generated CGI raptors, uh, which were too expensive. 
However, Millennium Effects realized they could use a baby T-Rex that they had, that had been in an exhibit that they designed. So they were able to basically use something that they already had in stock. Uh-huh. And laid it on the floor, and he stepped over it. <laughs> there you go. Well, it worked really well. Mm. Good old Millennium I mean, I'm Effects. Sure, <laughs> Borrowing uh, stuff. I think I think uh, if you remember, there was this thing a while back where the budget had been slightly cut, and I think the budget has been reinstated, maybe even slightly higher than it was, because there the, the seems to be an absolute brilliant use of money. I mean, I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why they had to use this beach, because uh, you know they'd used up a lot of it. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see the the main ship set redressed at some point. Uh, being at such a large set that maybe right. it'll get uh, reused. And on the show, Dave, you were mentioning this cave looking mm. like an actual location set, but no, that just looks like an actual set they built. You see, to me, there mm. just seems to be a lot draped around this set that it could be yeah. cleared off and become something else. So right. it would be interesting to see whether it's because it, it it's not. I mean, not to say that they're doing things on the cheap, but it's unusual for the BBC not to um, reuse. You know, we've seen chairs being reused and 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 set pieces. We've seen hallways being reused. Oh yes. Um, well, it looks a little bit like the underhenge as well. You know, where the Pandorica was. Mm. See, I think in this, she's a bit too, bit too smart in this. But I think yes. it's her hair. It's definitely her hair. I, I think that's one of the comments we got earlier on the show is that um, that Karen's uh, the 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 makeup of Karen. Oh, I keep saying Karen of Amy Pond. It has been all over the place in terms of how her character is portrayed. Not her fault. The way it's written. Now, something that we got early in the episode was Rory stating that he's about 30, 31. Now, if we presume that Rory and Amy are pretty much the same age, that means that it's been about seven, eight years, thereabouts, since their wedding. Ten, so, well, yeah, well, they said ten months since they'd last seen him, yeah. Yeah, but overall, well, since, their, since their wedding, it's been that long. So, I all think those adventures with the Doctor. That was a bit of a surprise for us all, uh, seeing a Silurian on the screen. Um, yeah. And uh, Oh yeah, was, that was, we, you know, one of this episode's best kept secrets. Like last week, we had Oswin being the secret. This right. week, it was the Silurian. Yeah. Because which, all the attention was on the dinosaurs. Yeah. Which I kind of like, because it, 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 then it made sense that they, there were dinosaurs on the spaceship, you know. Um, but yes, we see the return of... Uh, of Richard Hope to the series, uh, who played has played Silo, a Silurian before, uh, Malachi uh, from uh, The Hungry Earth and Cold Blood, and of course returned again in The Wedding of River Song. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was good to see him back in there and playing a different character, of course. Uh, uh, Blaytel was the, the the character he was uh, playing. So, uh, but yes, we've talked about him, I'm sure, before, but he's uh, been in a ton of stuff. <laughs> Getting a bit personal. <laughs> that uh-huh. rhino horn helps a lot, you know. Damn. <laughs> 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 so many innuendos on this episode. You see, I, I just love his. This episode is, was was a test in seeing what they could push past the sensors. Mm. <laughs> it's everywhere in this episode. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm not too sure about Chris Chimnall's writing on this because, I mean. This is his third Doctor Who story. Let's not uh, forget first, uh, Chris Chibnall wrote Cyberwoman on Torchwood. Oh, oh, Let's oh, not yeah. forget that. But, but what I was going to say is his first Doctor Who was at 42, which was about a spaceship about to crash or get destroyed. His second one was The Hungry Earth and Cold Blood, which was about Silurians. I think this story is about a spaceship that's about to crash or get destroyed, and it has a Silurian on it. Yes. So no reuse there, eh? <laughs> but to his uh, to to defend him on that, uh, that basically you know the, the showrunner calls the shots, and the showrunner sat him down and said, "Here's the title I've got for you: Dinosaurs on a Spaceship." Mm-hmm. So the 
the idea was given to him by Stephen Moffat, and then you know he took it from there. And if you there was a recently in the Radio Times, Stephen Moffat had an episode guide where he briefly talks about these five episodes. And in his blurb about this episode, he says that when he originally pitched that, gave that idea to Chris Chibnall, uh, Chibnall turned to look out the window, then looked back and said, can they have the doctor riding a triceratops? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it was 5.5 million people watched it on the first things, but um, DoctorWhoNews.net has just updated and it, uh, the final number is 8.33 million got 34.4% of the audience. So pretty good to say it was going up against, uh, you know, quite a lot of uh, things happening here in the UK. Uh, it was the last night of the proms. And, of course, the Paralympic Games were coming to a conclusion. So um, I, I believe it was up against something called X Factor, which I know nothing about, but apparently it's quite popular. Now, something interesting about these first five episodes of Series 7 for Doctor Who is the pattern for the writers. We've got five episodes here. Episodes one and five are written by Stephen Moffat. Episodes two and four are written by Chris Chibnall. Episode three is by Tubby Whithouse. So in order, we're getting Moffat, Chibnall, Whithouse, Chibnall, Moffat. It's a it's a weird pattern. Two Moffat episodes, two Chibnall episodes, one Whithouse mm. episode. I, I've got a feeling that there's quite a bit of uh, Stephen Moffat in this episode, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, um, time to talk a bit about uh, Nefertiti, the elephant in the room, per se. <laughs> or at least she was earlier. Um, played by uh, Rianne Steele. Um, interestingly enough, uh, she appeared in um, she's appeared in various uh, Royal Shakespeare Company productions, including A Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, Love's Labour's Lost, and Hamlet, including and it was in... a subsequent BBC television film adaptation in 2009, alongside David Tennant. There you go. Uh, I beat Mike to it. <laughs> and I was also going to mention right here the, the bit about the classical music and the, 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 you know, the doctor saying, I played an instrument there. Mm. Uh, it's, it's an interesting connection to last week's, which I like noticing these things in, in Moffat's episodes, things that recur, things that happen so often. For last week's, we got the doctor recognizing a classical music piece that he played the triangle in. Yeah, you get the, a similar Common, thing. yeah. We get a similar thing here where classical music and the doctor just happen to play. Yep. Hence three yeah. and four, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wandering fingers, was it? Wandering hands or something? Wandering hands, yeah. <laughs> yep. but yes, uh, Rian Steele's also been in uh, Holy City, uh, Death in Paradise. It's relatively new to the game by the looks of things, but hey. Doesn't give her age here, but is she quite young? Is she. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's hard telling with an internet movie database because you know they don't a they don't give her age and b you can't tell necessarily because of what she's doing on screen. Um, she could have been doing a lot of theatre then transferred to screen. So, um, but uh, not even the Wikipedia page has uh, has her uh, date of birth. So. Yeah, simple as that. I'm a little, little. The oh. There's something we don't know. <laughs> mm. 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 You don't want to make the doctor angry. No, you wouldn't like him when he's angry. <laughs> I wonder why they picked the name Solomon. It seems... I mean, I can't believe it's just out of the blue they picked that name. I remember earlier this year when at, at, at the Comic-Con event here in the States where we got the the first trailer for Series 7. It was mostly clips from next week's episode, but it had some clips from this episode and it had a brief, like a, maybe half a second clip of Solomon at his character standing off in the distance. And a lot of people saw that and that quick glimpse that we sat, that we had of the character and you know, they saw that and thought, oh, look, the first Doctor <laughs> is back. How is that? How does that work? Basically, people saw him and thought, because, you know, at a quick glance, his hair, right. the way it is, uh, it kind of looks like William Hartnell's doctor. Right. 
Yeah, that's good. Rory taking up the Doctor's lying habit. Right, yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I like this. Well, that's also a that's also a you know a doctorish trick in general to yeah. keep your mind off the pain of the yeah, it's, jab. It's a it's a neat thing the the, the interplay between the two of them. Um, tell him this is and uh, to to see him like you know his dad's like oh you're not equipped and stuff like that earlier on the beach, but then he pulls out the med kit and. I guess to show off for his dad. And uh, the only thing that bothers me is that he says that about the cold pack, he's like, oh, I've never seen one of those before. And he says, oh, you know, it's, it's one of those things you pick up stuff that's interesting. It, I'm almost assuming they mean while they're on their travels in the TARDIS, but they don't say that. And I feel that it really kind of needed to be, you know, stated a little more kind of like I picked it up on such and such a planet. It would have been kind of cool. Or I picked yeah, it up in, in yeah. the future. You know, that would have been a little cooler, but it was kind of quite vague. It would be nice if it had um, the the green crescent. Is it the green crescent the sign of uh, yeah. medical? Yeah, yeah. that's the, New yeah, Earth. The... Yeah. The and a time check. New, 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 new <laughs> Earth. A time a check. 23 minutes and 53 seconds. Well, right on the nuts. Or and this part is interesting, too. Where it doesn't recognize the doctor, it scans him, but it doesn't recognize him. Yeah, it's a typical What's interesting about that is um, carrying on from last week about the conclusion of last week's episode. Oswin wiped the memory of the doctor from the Daleks' collective memory, so the Daleks no longer remember the doctor. Of course, we have the question floating around: Doctor Who. I think that was our instance of that theme in this episode, just not using characters repeating Doctor Who over and over again. We get that. That's yeah. our the the interesting that's our inclusion of the, the question thing. Yeah. The interesting thing about that though is um a database that covers all the, oh. the nine galaxies isn't aware of the doctor. But India is Apparently, <laughs> yeah. yeah. India knows all about the doctor. <laughs> they stole all of Unit's old files from go. centuries ago. Well, it'd be, it, I think the assumption is it'd be a world power by then. But, I mean, that, it, it was there that uh, the Doctor hadn't realised it was so or it was told to her. And Lewis made, uh, on, from Podshot, was making the, the comment earlier today that um, the only thing about this, the, the, you know, the world not knowing is that, um, you know, say we, we, we now know that the Daleks don't know. Uh, who the Doctor is, because the Doctor travels to different time periods, all right, in the current period, and in this period, of course, now we're in the 24th century, aren't we? Right. Uh, but it's not going to be the same in every time period. Exactly, and like if they if he were to meet the um, Daleks from the past, they'd be like, hey, it's the Doctor. Yeah, but it, but that, my point to, to Lewis was the fact that it then gives the writers the options so for any uh, script, they can either decide that this group of Daleks do know him or this group of Daleks don't know him, whichever the story requires. Mm. Mm. I had a bit of debate about this, too, as to mm. the meaning of this. You see, now, what I got from that is that he tried changing the course but he couldn't, and so the computer, mm. rather than continuing on to where it was supposed to be going, defaulted to going back to Earth. Which, of course, is the, Sil- yeah, which is the Silurian Homer. Right. Some people may not got that. Yeah. But people are like, well, then why would it go back to a planet that they basically thought was probably destroyed, you know? So, but again, it... But well, that was 53 million years ago. Right. But, I mean, they weren't intending on going back there, so it just seems an odd thing to put, well, should something go wrong, we'll go back to the de- destroyed planet that we came from. But I don't think they were. They were they were taking them there to be returned to Earth at some future point. You see, that's... But something went wrong. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's like, that's what I don't get. I think, from what I gathered from it, they were going to a completely different planet to start again. And... Uh, <laughs> And because the guy fooled around with it, it defaulted back to Earth. Mm-hmm. All right, time to time to do a little more cast stuff. Now, yeah, we haven't even talked about oh, my favorite. Now, we haven't even talked about is, my favorite show here: those Mitchell and Webb bots. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now the funny thing is, is like throughout this episode, I was like, I know those voices, I know those voices. 
Um, and I couldn't get it. And then at the end, when of course, I saw the Chris, I'm like, oh my God, it's, <laughs> it's Mitchell and Webb. Um, but now, whenever I hear what's it, all I hear is the two of them. And all I can think of is, is, um, Peep Show. <laughs> um, but of course, they're also known for the, that, uh, that Mitchell and Webb look. Um, and what's the other one? The Mitchell and Webb, uh, situation. Um, and of course, uh, David Mitchell, um, a lot of you probably will have seen him on QI. And also on Would I Lie to You? Yes, yes. But yeah, um, I, I, I thoroughly recommend to the adult audience to uh, to watch Peep Show. It's, um, oh, definitely. Yes. I love that show. Which I think it's getting a new series soon. Mm. Interesting. I thought it would have been all done, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. I must admit, I did think these robots were really more Sarah Jane Adventures fare. Right. Now, at the same time, of course, David Mitchell and uh, Robert Webb, they did the voices. Let's also take time to mention Noel Bryan and Richard Garrity, who actually did, who actually were acting the robots. And on the BBC side, there's the behind-the-scenes clip that I Ooh. mentioned, and it shows them. It shows that they're actually... It's not CGI for the for the robots. It's actual costumes that they're wearing. Wow. It really heavy costumes, and most of the weight is in the upper part. But they're just really large costumes that they actually wore, and the the costumes were remote controlled. I'm very so, heavy. <laughs> yeah, Noel Bryan, Richard Garrity, there. That's I mean that's fantastic, and and, and thank you Mike for bringing that because like I always say, you know, got to give got to give credit to these guys because really they're the ones doing all the sweat work. Uh, Visual web show up in it in a studio and record their bits and that's them done. Which it's, 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 it's a shame now with, you know, Dr. Confidential canceled that mm. we don't get, you know, an, ex- an extended look at this. And also at the same time, realizing that we will never see David Mitchell and Robert, Robert Webb and Dr. Confidential. Right. Missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> and who we, who I just missed there was, uh, Adara, uh, played by, uh, Sinatra Saka. Um, who, uh, yeah, she's from Liverpool. Um, but yeah, she's, uh, wow. Uh, I thought she was quite young. She's been at this game for a bit. Um, yeah, she's been in Brookside, uh, Cold Feet, Doctors, uh, Emmerdale, um, No Angels, The Chase, and most recently, uh, she's been hanging about in Casualty. Uh, playing, Another Casualty. Playing Zoe Hanna in Casualty. Um, for uh, 198 episodes. Wow. Yes. Wow. So she's been in it a while. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. She started in it uh, back in, wow, uh, 2007. Hang on a minute. You're talking about guys here that have done 308 podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about one of the more major new windows from this episode here. Ah, what the heck? One issue I did have about this Indian Space Agency, in the 24th century, oh, all they could go. send up was a simple probe. You would have thought they'd be able to take a manned mission up to uh, investigate. Come on, Mike. Hmm? Say it. Oh, yeah, we talked over the, the doctor kissing Rory. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's the gay agenda. <laughs> you see, back in the Russell T. Davies era, oh, something yeah. like that had happened. You know, people would be talking left and right about that. But here it quickly happened. And, you know, it's just forgotten about over everything else. Yep. And there we go. This That with that clip right there of, of Solomon sending between the robots, that was the quick shot that we got in the first trailer. Right. And people saw him and thought, first doctor. <laughs> we Fans, I tell you, we're an odd bunch. <laughs> yeah, straightforward villain, this guy, wasn't he? He's just silly. So yeah, I mean, the, the, the point is, like, we haven't had a, a really kind of a decent villain in Doctor Who. I mean, there's been groups, you know, and and races like you know, and the, the, you know, the Silence, and um, you know, the, the the rest of the group. That were they're after the Doctor and you know, we've had Daleks and, and and all sorts and Silurians, but we haven't had a decent just villain for a while. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of one. I mean, aside from like the Master, which is a reoccurring kind of, but 
the last one I can really think of that it's memorable is uh, the guy from the the Planet of the Ud episode. Yeah, just going back to that when when we saw the cutaway to the three of them, mm. and there's an awful lot of these uh, the 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 way they've screened uh, set up the images. There's an awful lot of, like wallpapers here. I can, oh, there is. Wallpaper. oh, I like good wallpaper. Triceratops, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic looking, by the way. Sort of tableau looking images. Mm. He killed Tracy. How dare he? Oh. Fantastic work on these things, by the way. I mean, uh, you know, we, we look back at, you know, the, the, the stuff we used to have in Doctor Who when we have needed dinosaurs. Mm. Um, well, and, and, and now we've got things like that where just, you know. Uh, I guess the sad thing about it is because they looked so good and so realistic, I, uh, I kind of forgot about them. Not Well, mm. not forgot, but... They didn't strike me as of being worthy of attention because they just blended so well. It, you know, now we now we notice things if they stick out as being odd or not quite right, like bad CGI and stuff. But you know, these guys blended so well and 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 looked so good on screen that it's kind of like, yeah, they're dinosaurs. <laughs> I was looking at the back of her there, thinking, God, that looks like Alpha Centauri, <laughs> that little fringe on her neck. Oh, well, it's going to be an old fan to know focusing one. on the, you said, looking at her from the back. No, that little freight thing. Mm. Ooh, does it? <laughs> <laughs> David. David. <laughs> it's a bit... This, uh, this is a bit... Yeah. Mm, that's, that, I mean, that's clo- kind of closer than any other comments. Yeah. And I mean, the one thing person I haven't talked about, which is odd, because I thought he would have been the first person I would talk about, but Rupert Graves is Riddell. Huh? And if you're wondering why, why are you so uh, enamored with uh, Rupert Graves? He's Lestrade. <laughs> yes, if you listen to any of our Sherlock commentaries, it's Lestrade. Um, he's actually uh, still quite busy. Um, we're hoping to see him soon in uh, in Sherlock, uh, but uh, he's currently done and uh, done with uh, work on a TV series Coop, uh, and uh, Air Force One is down a TV series, uh, which he's currently filming. So uh, look out for him in that. But uh, yes, um, I've talked. Um, Sure, plenty about him in, in in Sherlock episodes. So go listen to those and watch Sherlock. Dang it! <laughs> I like that. You get a clean first. I, I did like the spaceship. It looked quite good. Uh, I mean, all the effects in this, I, I, I did nice. Oh yeah, there were the Triceratops. Mm. The Triceratops was an interesting uh, CGI slash model experiment because as you mentioned the front of it was an actual physical thing they had built Mm. and it was this giant prop that they had the doctor and uh, other actors you know riding on the back of it but the the back of it the legs and everything the back legs the the tail and everything that was all CGI so the Mm. the mill did the CGI for the the back of it and they just meshed that together the actual physical prop and the CGI and it came out yeah, you so, gotta have raptors, haven't you? You gotta have raptors. So, raptors so, eventually. So the mill yeah. were just doing butt shots. Oh boy. <laughs> oh. Just very good, quickly going about it when you mentioned the guy from uh, Sherlock, just mentioned that uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is doing an absolutely fabulous job in parades and a historical drama at the moment. You need to catch that. Strangely edited, but very good. Brian Pond doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> Not a pond. Why don't, they call him, why don't they call him Muddy Pond or oh, something? Oh, oh, oh. They're, all, they're going to one of my favourite parts of the whole episode. Yeah, it's so simple. A monkey could fly. Oh, look, they're going to. Where's the Silurian audience when you need Oh, I just noticed a little continuity error there. On some of these shots, the Riddell's hat and coat on the back of Brian's chair disappears. Mm. <laughs> it's on some just very brief shots. Some of the close-up shots, it disappears. <laughs> it's it's something similar to the Daleks' eye stalk uh, light ah, stalk ah, that yes. was disappearing on last week's. 
but whatever. Oh, here we get this. Amy's going to ruin the comedy gold moment the doctor <laughs> was so excited about. Comedy gold! How's the job? Oh. Yeah, here's, here we get Stupid. kind of... Stupid! Hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, this bit, because the way the the doctor's traveling with Amy and Rory now allows for this type of stuff, this, this type of commentary from Amy. They only occasionally go on adventures. The doctor comes and picks them up and chomps them off. Yeah. Well, even in this episode, a lot Ooh, Rory has more time. Rory has more time with the doctor than Amy. This is one main moment with him, really. And Amy oh. goes and ruins the moment by saying, or vice versa, ah. to the end. Yes. Bond. Foreshadowing. Yeah, perhaps. and we get we get allusions back to pond life, which bugs me a bit. That you know, oh, you've got yeah. to refer back to these little mini web episode things, which where... were never actually shown in, shown on TV, just offered on the site. Yeah, where is it? And a bit beyond that, there were, it was also offered on the red button service, right. but never actually on TV. Yeah. This is a good little phrase coming up in a bit. This. I know that. Huh? That's a good line. <laughs> I mean, the effects are, are great in this. I mean, raptors, I mean... He's doing a bit of jiggly... Ju- uh, I mean, he's doing a Captain Jack firing mm-hmm. a gun there. Yeah. You know, he j- jiggle a lot. I love this bit coming up here. Last Starfighter. Oh, sorry. I'm flying a spaceship. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, re- reminiscence of Wilf, of course, isn't it? And guns. I mean, as a dad, that'd be a cool thing for me and Liam, you know. All right, I've got to mention this. Uh, that's, uh, that's Rudy, and I'll give it a try. Good luck on the last name. <laughs> um, Darmagon. That's the best I can do. I'm terribly sorry. Uh, that's the only information, unfortunately, that I have for him, is that uh, he's been in this. Um, it's better than golf. Ah, sorry. <laughs> Daisy, Daisy. Daisy. That, that really, I mentioned the, the Arthur C. Clarke reference. That's the other half of it. How? 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, there's quite a lot of... Um... British things in this, weren't there, as well? I mean, you know, the reference to the Chuckle Brothers and... Um, oh, yeah, I mentioned that this in the text chat on Colton Collective today, and the, the British cultural references that don't really translate well outside of the UK. Early, when, when the Doctor first meets uh, Solomon, he mentioned and learns about the IV, the scanning device. The Doctor references Argos, which isn't a reference that'll translate outside of the UK. Dave, what is Argos? Uh, the mail order company, mainly through a catalogue, but you can do it through the internet. So think sort of an old-fashioned eBay. Yeah, which is pretty much UK-specific. So Yeah, uh, for new UK. goods, by the way, not saying none. Oh, a dodecahedron. <laughs> actually, um, I, I stand corrected. Uh, well, uh, Rudy actually has um, has a, a, another name he goes he gets credited by. It's basically the same. It's just a slight variation in the spelling. It's instead of H O M at the end, it's H A M. Um, he's actually uh, been in uh, Coronation Street, uh, Hollyoaks, The Bill, Cutting It, and an episode of Casualty. Three. Now he didn't say it, he didn't say it there, but it's almost the no second chances there, isn't right, it? It is. It's just like uh, you know. But uh, I mean. I, I, I had a problem with that, but you know the doctor can't always be perfect, um, and you know uh, this guy did some pretty damn horrible things, and you really just say, well, yeah, he deserved it. I mean, he killed all of the Silurians in that ship, and then shot a Triceratops to boot. Mm. I can understand why the doctor would say, you know what, tough. <laughs> yeah, it's I told interesting you to that the whole earlier. argument, the whole argument about the doctor killing his killing enemies. Mm. Uh, the whole that whole not killing enemy thing is is really a trademark of nine and ten. If you look back in the classic, the old series, it happens quite often. Somebody even 
a couple of years ago on YouTube, somebody compiled a bunch of clips from the old series. Uh, doctors, you know, the different doctors actually using guns. Two, three, four, five, two, three, four, five, and six. Basically, different episodes where they use guns. Right. And it, it, at the end of at the end of it, they have a, a clip from uh, uh, Tom Baker's the story with the with the giant plant. The, the episode where the doctor makes Molotov cocktails, mm. where the doctor snaps someone's neck and runs off. Well, so, enjoy enjoy love, this bit. Love this oh, this this shot right here is. Oh, nice. There now somebody there's a wallpaper. Somebody mentioned a quote from Sarah Jane on a Sarah Jane Adventures episode mm. where she says something along the lines of if only everyone could take could take a moment to see the earth from above it would perhaps they would appreciate the world more and what's the doctor thinking there yeah. he's thinking melancholy things there yeah. mm. he knows something's coming up and something's coming to an end so it's, it's neat comparing that quote from Sarah Jane with that moment right there which is an interesting so, thought really sorry about that yeah that, that is a good bit um, you wonder because we've we've fooled around with which doctor they're traveling with and how old he is, etc. Mm-hmm. You see, there he doesn't have an incandescent bulb. He's got the new compact fluorescence. I just love that. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> he's got. He's stuck on. <laughs> he's gone traveling. <laughs> the, the other thing reminded me about the stories as well is. Oh hey, it's uh, it's Tins Tardis. It's Tins hey, Tardis. Yeah. The Saint John's <laughs> ambulance. Uh, leaving, leaving those two in in Africa, a little bit like that Salorian couple that you know they bounty onto a woman. Mm. Now, oh, next week. Next week we get this. Interesting. It's. I mean, we're not really knowing a lot about this episode. It's just actually episode well, four is the one we know the least about. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've I've kept myself pretty much spoiler free just because I've had trouble with the Moffat era, so I've been kind of like hide out. Yeah. So I don't know too much. Oh, I oh, like that casting uh, there. Oh, yes, so do I. <laughs> Can't wait to see that. But there we go. And um, Noel Bryan, Richard Garrity, there's the robots. And David Mitchell and Robert Webb, the voices. Yeah, very clear that. You know, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought of Red Dwarf when I saw that, that, that character in there. I thought of Crichton. You know, yeah. you know, well, you wait, wait, I just noticed Ben Foster was, was credited with, with the music along with Murray Gold. Oh. That's oh. pretty cool. There were some nice themes, although I must admit, right at the beginning, before we go to our wrap-up, I did feel as though, although the music was beautiful, it, I, I was having trouble catching some of the lines, mm. certainly in that very first... Cause, uh, Matt Smith talks very fast, especially in that opening, you know, the cold opening. Right. Oh, if, if Oswin talks as fast, when... It, when if, Coleman's character talks as fast as she did on Asylum, then <laughs> oh boy. Yes. Yeah, so stay tuned for next week when we'll be uh, talking about Ben Browder. <laughs> I like Ben Browder. <laughs> anyway, it's time for our wrap-up. Um, let's see. Dave, you went last last week, so you can go first this week. Okay, well, it's, um, it's strange, isn't it? One of the things that I do like about Doc 2 is um, I almost enjoy them more the second time round, even ones that I'm convinced I won't enjoy and, and I've said this before I think it's because when I watch them the first time round, I'm so concerned that they don't going to mess it up and do something stupid and then in this one I was beginning to think that they'd messed it up and done something stupid uh, until you got the feeling that that was the whole purpose of this episode to be a juvenile romp uh, a little bit like the, um, go on, I'm going to get it wrong, a guy. The adventures, it was at the Black, not the Black Pearl, the, the other one. Curse of the Black Spot. <laughs> Every time. What a spot to pick. Uh, uh, but the point is, it was that sort of adventure. And I suppose, uh, I think, if you do a bit of mental gymnastics and think, okay, it's one of these sort of episodes, you know, dial it back and enjoy it, you can do. But I, I did, uh, although as much we've made some jokes ourselves in this, I. I did feel as though this was for, you know, people under 10, uh, you know, the younger audience, which, to be fair, I mean, they are supposed to be the primary target. It's a family show, not a children's show. Did feel as though those robots would have been better placed in Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, but all in all, it was great. It was fabulous, really, that the, the dinosaurs were so well realised. 
but yet didn't detract from the story in as much as, you know, you're going, it's a dinosaur, it's a dinosaur, it's a dinosaur. Now, that may well be because we as an audience have become a little bit more blasé about the abilities of these TV companies to actually produce things. You know, we've had Terranova in the States and uh, we've had, uh, you know, programs here in the UK, uh, Primeval and so on, where we've got to almost expect that quality of uh, CGI mixed with uh, amniotronics or whatever you call it. Uh, but it's actually reached a very nice age now where you they can be in and you're not oohing and ahhing over the fact that they're in. You know, it's do they bring anything to the story? Um, uh, Favourite bits, I suppose, were the fact of uh, Rory having his dad there and Rory's father uh, giving him a bit more of approval because obviously right at the start he, he thinks, how could that dimwit son of mine got this leggy girl, you know, lucky bugger. And um, and now he's getting a little bit more respect for the things that his son has done, seeing that his son has matured. Like the fact that the, the way they were, Rory and uh, Amy were separated there. Uh, I'm not too sure again about the way they developed Amy's character. It seems slightly off tune to her normal way of being. But uh, for some reason, she looked different in this episode and uh, I quite enjoyed it. I don't know if she's wearing flat shoes or whatever it was. Hair. Or I didn't mean the, the hair, yeah. The hair. Yeah, probably it's the hair. And um, there was a lot to recommend it. I, I like the fact that we had the Silurians in it. The story didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, although, again, if you listen very carefully, I suppose the clues are in there. I think it should have been pitched, really, to a slightly earlier date. Um, it, it was slightly wrong to me that in the 24th century you know i you know i'm a person that brought you know book rogers in the 25th century you you would have expected them to have been able to do more than send a probe up i think it would have been better if it had been set in something like the 22nd century or something where you know they may have had something to go up but it would be so slow with the, uh, the time it takes to get the you know the the astronauts up and ready and so on, be too late. Certainly, it was uh, wrong with the dimensions. I mean, you say when it gets within ten thousand kilometres of Earth, well, uh, Earth is eight mile eight thousand miles across. I don't know whether that is that's about ten or twelve thousand kilometres. So they're talking about the spaceship getting within one, uh, you know, diameter of the Earth. Well, if you blow a spaceship up the biggest size, big as the size of Canada, that near to the Earth. It's going to have catastrophic effects. You're going to actually try and destroy it before it gets within inside the moon's orbit. And, of course, we had uh, sound effects of the explosions in space, which I didn't particularly like. But I'm assuming they were going for the fact that this was in the outer atmosphere uh, rather than that. Um, it's good, again, that we've got confirmation that uh, it's Doctor Who, uh, although I don't like that phrase. The very fact that when he, he did the scan on him, he came up as um, nobody important. Uh, and that's the way I would like Doctor Who to be at the end of this series, or this first half of the series. Somebody who can go on adventures, land on a planet, and um, they only know him by reputation when he hopefully uh, solves their issue problem or uh, whatever uh, the storyline is for that. So all in all, I'm warming to this Um but I think it is in some way a throwaway episode, very well realised. Uh, I thought the the script was a bit juvenile, but um, again, once you've once you've watched it the first time and know what it is, you can then go back and watch it, and then start to enjoy it more. And I think that's where I am at the moment. Alrighty, um, Mike. I'll let you go next. Okay, I'll start off with one note to the, something that I've seen discussed for this episode that we didn't didn't touch on. But at, at the end of the episode, Nefertiti stays there in in Riddell's time. She's she stays with Riddell, and a lot of people were saying, "Oh no, that doesn't match up with uh, you know actual historical things. What isn't Nefertiti supposed to go back to 1334 BC and live out the rest of her life?" Well, as it turns out, in actual historical records, uh, Queen Nefertiti disappeared from his from history at that same time in 1334 BC. She disappeared from all historical records. No data of her exists after that year. 
So interesting. Similar, if you remember back on the unicorn, the, the unicorn and the wasp episode, the the Agatha Christie ah. story, right. where we had the part of part of the whole thing with that episode was in actual history. In actual history, Agatha Christie had a week where she disappeared and showed up at a hotel with no memory of that prece- preceding week, and that's sort of what that episode of Doctor Who played with. It played up. Played with that with that week and ended up with Agatha Christie showing up at the hotel with no memory of what had just happened. That's part of that Doctor Who episode, so it's a kind of a, a neat way to work that. It's it's neat how that was worked in here with with Queen Nefertiti. It, it's something you don't notice. It's something that's not really brought to your attention. It just sort of happens there at the end. But if you look into it, yep, it's the same idea. So neat touch there with the ending, I thought. Uh, but overall, this episode was this episode. This episode and this series in particular, Stephen Moffat has billed this this first these these five episodes as blockbusters of the week. Uh, we're not getting any two parters in these five episodes. These are all standalone episodes, and they're blockbusters of the week as Moffat and the BBC are billing these so much the so that on the on the BBC's Doctor Who site we have theatrical movie posters for all five of these episodes. Now that brings in. T- into question okay do these really work as standalone episodes and we do have sort of an overall theme going on but the whole Moffat's whole plan was to step away from the heavy story arc plan framework that he had in series five and series six and this is something that I kind of I kind of touched on a bit with last week how in Asylum of the Daleks that wasn't setting up a huge story arc whereas series five we had the cracks series five we had the silence Asylum didn't seem to set up anything as large this one, it's it works as a standalone episode, so we do have the whole standalone story uh, blockbuster of the week. Special effects all over the place here with the dinosaurs and the you know, the graphical displays, the missiles, the special effects of all of that, the, the of the ships. That was you know very very stunning, very well done. Uh, the story itself, um, this was a fun episode. It was uh, I expected this to be kind of a, a lightweight filler episode, uh, an adventure, a rope so to speak, and that's that's most, mostly what it was. And um, it, it kind of had the, you know, the, the whole adventure-style feel of a lot of the old series, where it's you know action-packed and all of that. Uh, so it kind of, kind of worked. You could tell that Matt Smith was having a fun time acting the, his part in the, this episode. And there at the end, we had a thing where the Doctor actually essentially kill his enemy, which we had that brief discussion on. Is is the Doctor someone who actually kills his foes, is or is he more of the more of the, the the character who finds other ways to deal with people? As you know, as in the line of the Doctor, the Tenth Doctor, and Human Nature and Family of Blood, how he deals with the Family of Blood. Um, nine and ten, they kind of stayed away from that. It ties in with, you know, they were immediate that that Doctor was immediately following the the, the last Great Time War. So, and it ties in there. Now the Doctor is, has dealt with Time War. He's moving on, and he's gaining some of his older character traits again, and this is just one of those. And it was neat to see that return. Um, of course, we have, the, again, we have the whole thing where the Doctor is picking up and dropping off the, the pawns at their house in between adventures. And uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see how this goes, because much as people might not like it, Moffat has found a different way to to uh, wrap up their story, and I'm actually finding this quite interesting because it is different. We haven't had this before. I don't, we haven't had this before ever on Doctor Who, where the Doctor has left his companions there at home, at their their home on Earth, or wherever they may be, and he occasionally picks them up and drops them off on adventures. And it'll be interesting to see how this wraps up at the end of this, uh, this these five episodes. How that how this concludes, because we have, at you know, the God Complex, the Doctor dropped them off, but they're still going on adventures. We have foreshadowing. I want. I just wonder how that's going to play off, play out. But overall, this episode it was a it was a fun episode. Uh, we'll see how it fares in terms of you know favorite episodes or whatever when we get to episode five. Alrighty, um, that just leaves me. Uh, just um, commenting on 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 your comment there about Nefertiti disappearing. It's a missed opportunity, really. Uh, I mean, we've we've addressed this before, where um, you know the doctor's taken somebody out of time or been involved in a, a period of history that's had an effect. That somebody's like, well, what, what, you know, he just saw this or that. And it's like, well, you know, 
Um, he, and he points to something in history that you know correlates to whatever adventure they were on, or um, you know Agatha Christie disappearing. He'd said no one, and no one fact that that was pointed out in the show. Um, it would have been, I think, a better idea considering the original mandate of the, the, the original concept for the show was to be educational. It would have been a good idea if, you know, Amy had said, you can't leave her there, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, of course, you know, she would have known that because she studied, you know, she liked Nefertiti, which means it should have been brought up. You know, it, it would have been a really good idea to just to have mentioned that because a lot of people are just like well that, that's wrong you can't just dump Nefertiti there but yeah um, missed opportunity I think you know um, I was I was quite harsh on this uh, the first time round um, if you look at our Facebook page uh, my wife and I uh, it was actually quite humorous because uh, the, the credits were all I'm like well that was kind of pants and my wife says what's what's worse than pants Big pants. <laughs> She's not very familiar with the phrase. Um, I think what is it? Total pants. Yeah. Anyway, total pants. Total yeah. pants. Um, so yeah, that was funny. But uh, I, I I watched it again this morning when I got up on my own um, without child running around, um, and it grew on me a little. Plus, once you read other fans' comments of saying. Well, if you take it for what it is, it's just a romp, and it was just a bit of fun, and da, da, da. It, it gives you a different way of looking at the episode when you watch it again. It's not saying that the things that I found fault in aren't still there, but in a way, it allows you to kind of, if you if you start watching it from somebody else's perspective, um, then it becomes more enjoyable. If you just sit back and relax and say, it's dinosaurs on a spaceship then uh, it becomes a lot more appealing and a lot more fun uh, recently I've been doing a rewatch of Doctor Who and there's some one, some episodes that I'll just plain skip because it's like I remember that one and I don't really want to to do it again um, both on good and bad episodes the uh, uh, the Van Gogh episode I'll, I'll, I usually skip just because it's it's quite an emotional one for me, and so I don't bother. Um, and there's other ones I just avoid because it's just like no, I just don't want to do that one again because it was a bit dumb or it was you know too formulaic. So you can't kind of wipe your memory of it and, and watch it again. Um, but this is one of those episodes I think that that you know once it comes up on a, on Netflix again that. Uh, if we're scanning through and doing a bit of a rewatch, that, that we'll, we'll go back to this one and watch it again because, like a lot of people have said on on the collective and on our Facebook page, it's it's fun. It's a fun romp. It's it's what is this, uh, that Ken said? It's a ride on a Triceratops, uh, <laughs> which it is. Um, and I'm not going to focus on on too many of the the negatives because they're they're pretty much in what I said on the collective today, um, and I urge you to go listen to those. Yeah, it's it's not as bad as I first made out. First watches, like a first mouthful of wine, are, are quite different from the rest of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that about wraps it up for us. Oh, uh, wait, one more thing I wanted to mention no, here. No, damn you, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just a really quick mention here, and that's with the robots. We Of course, we had the, the, the thing here with the casting, Mitchell and Webb. Uh, most of the lines that they had were from David Mitchell. I just wish they had given Robert Webb some more to work with. Yeah. He was barely he was barely there. It was ma- mainly David Mitchell. I guess it's because of his voice. That and, and the funny thing is, uh, as I as I I think I said on the collective too, it was like um watching them on TV. You usually find that that David Mitchell does a good bulk of the talking, um, depending on, of course, the skit on, on the Mitchell and Webb, you know, look or uh, situation. Um, but on Peep Show, you usually find that David Mitchell does a, a good portion of the dialogue. So I guess it kind of fits in that way. But yeah, I get what you mean. It would have been nicer for him to say a few more things. But it's just odd now that every time I watch it now, 
all I hear is the two of them rather than going, oh, those are kind of cute, kooky voices. <laughs> and, and I just kick myself because I, I don't know how many times I watched the trailer where you see the robots for the first time and they say, we're very, uh, we're very cross with you. And I didn't realize that it was two <laughs> I just feel really embarrassed now. It's like, I didn't, I didn't get that. What? Because it's not like they put an effect in on their voices. It was just their voices. So I just kind of feel a little embarrassed now that I didn't, you know, I didn't get that. So, all right. Anything you want to interrupt with, Dave? No, no. Um, I, I think you're right. Um, I, 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 I dismiss this as sort of schoolboy adolescent humor to start with. Um, but now, now I've, you know, bookmarked the episode for what it is and I'm not expecting more, then I can go back and think, all right, I'll watch it in that vein. And I think that's exactly uh, the way to do it. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And uh, catch us next week. We'll be talking all over the top of the next episode of Series 7 of Doctor Who. Join us then. But until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thor. It's goodbye from Dave AC. It's goodbye from Ian. The Sixth Doctor. Let's go, Tracy! Or... Goodbye, everybody! Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Yes, we're... Screwing things up left, right, and center. That goes at the end. I'm very cross with you. Not as cross as I was at the beginning when I screwed that up. And I've got nothing. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.